0: Today in Watching Your Wealth, we'll look at investing mistakes some wealthy families make. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. This is Veronica Dagger, and you're listening to Watching Your Wealth, where you learn all you need to know about building your wealth and protecting your money. Mike Sorrentino is Chief Strategist at Global Financial Private Capital. Welcome, Mike.
1: Thank you for having me, Veronica.
0: Mike, my pleasure. So, in terms of getting right to these mistakes, you said one big mistake is that sometimes the wealthy hold too much cash. I know a few people this supplies do. Tell us about this mistake.
1: Yeah, they do. I mean, look, I mean, I think the, the issue, if you think about from where they're coming from, most of the wealthy investors have worked incredibly hard to get to where they are. For sure. They've taken on some massive risks to achieve their success. and. You know, once they once they receive it, it's hard for them to put that at risk. So uh, they they tend to hold on too much cash for fear of losing what they've worked so hard to accum- accumulate. And this strategy it worked okay, maybe called 10-15 years ago when uh, when bank CDs and money market funds would get you in a, you know called a rate of inflation, so you kind of net it even, but. Uh, in this day and age, I mean, it, it, too much cash is going to do nothing but help you lose money safely. And I mean, even though interest rates are going to start rising here soon, uh, we're a very long way in, uh, away from cash ever really giving any kind of real return going forward. So uh, I, when I say the excess cash, too, I'm very, very clear that we're talking about the cash after living expenses, mm. rainy day funds, things of that nature.
0: Mm-hmm. So roughly, you know, what percentage of cash, I know it depends on the client, but what percentage of cash? Cash, do you think is healthy to have in the portfolio, and what what's too much?
1: Well, that's you know, it it certainly does depend on uh, on the investor. I would say instead of a level, I would think of it this way: is that you know what what you need to to have to pay bills, some discretionary funds on top of that, and then I would have a minimum of of at least uh, I'd call it a year worth of, of that in cash. And then some type of a rainy day fund. And that could be emergency use only. Or let's say you're in retirement or entering retirement. Also remember that any kind of long-term care expenses that come up unexpectedly can be incredibly uh, uh, you know, costly, rather. So uh, I would certainly, as an investor, uh, consider those. And then anything outside of that, Uh, that you don't necessarily need to rely upon, that would be deemed as excess cash. And that's what I would put into riskier assets.
0: I like that. That's a good rule of thumb. Another mistake you said is having an overly concentrated position. And I know several executives might make this mistake because they are so heavily invested in their company. So tell us more of how you've seen this mistake play out
1: of uh, Ronnie this is probably the the number one mistake that i see as you just said with with executives uh, again uh you know sometimes 80 to 90% of their net worth is just in one stock alone and uh, this is something that uh, again a lot of executives feel like they've got an edge because they're in the company uh, they know a little bit about it more than your public markets uh and all it takes is one or two bad things to happen, and it can wipe you out. Now, the, unfortunately, a lot of executives can't do much about it. They're they're not allowed to sell their position. Right. Uh, but talk to a financial advisor because there are ways to hedge that risk. There really are, and and, and honestly, ones that are really aren't that expensive. Uh, another problem that I also run into are a lot of families that have uh, have created kind of an emotional bond to a stock that's been passed down over generations. Mm. And, Hey, look, this is a one way street here. There, that, that stock or that bond, whatever it may be, is never going to love you back. So uh, <laughs> I, I cannot so stress to you enough uh, the, the number of times I've oh, seen a, a, a family ha- lose uh, a, a very large portion of their net worth simply from. Uh, failing to diversify hmm. portfolio.
0: I believe it. Uh, another mistake you said is a lack of allocation to alternatives, but in all fairness, some people have gotten burned by alternatives, especially if they've been in hedge funds, they may have not done so well. Um, sure, sure. Give us some advice on that.
1: Look, absolutely. I think that you know, getting burned, but also the fear of locking your money up for potentially in seven to ten years True. in, a, say, a private equity investment, uh, these you know, look, there certainly are risks here, and that's why you're not going to put a lot of your uh, a lot of your net worth into some of these types of investments I'd say maybe 10% or less uh, but if you're willing to lock up your money and again locking it up, meaning you're not going to get it back for a while. Uh, given where interest rates are and what's going on in public markets, this is a great way to achieve some pretty nice returns. Uh, but for that matter, even if uh, you know, looking at ret- aside from the returns, uh, the diversification effects with these alternative assets is pretty nice. I mean, we're talking about uncorrelated investments to public uh, securities. So uh, from a broader asset allocation perspective, it's something that any wealthy infa- uh, family should have, have some exposure to.
0: And another mistake you said is forgetting to rebalance. This this can be tough, though rebalancing, especially if you got to sell your winners,
1: Mike. Oh, it's brutal. I mean, <laughs> look, I mean, we're all human. At the end of the day, we're not robots. And if you're if you're an investment that's doing well or an asset class that's doing exceptionally well, selling that and then buying into something that's doing poorly, uh, it, it's it's mentally it's, it's exhausting. But look, I mean, this this business is about dis, disciplined risk management, and there are times where, uh, it, as much as you want to stay in stocks, if you're, you know, if you're over-allocated stocks, all it takes, again, is a couple things. We, we saw it back in January and February this year, or for that matter, in August of last year. The, the volatility that hits markets, and it, look, in, in times like these, people make mistakes. And what you don't want to do is you don't want to put your portfolio, or your allocation, at risk simply because something is making you money. Go back to discipline, go back to your benchmark allocation, and stick with it.
0: Great tips. Mike, I would love for you to stick around and take our financial version of the Proust. Are you game for that? Let's do it. All right, great. You stay with us too.
1: Hi, this is Kevin Sintemont. This is
0: Beth Cracklauer. Check us out on the Off-Duty Podcast. We talk about food, cocktails, all of the finer things (laughs) in life. Check us out at wsj.com slash podcast and become a subscriber on iTunes. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously now Back to the show. Now it's time for Mike Sorrentino to take our financial version of the Proust. Mike, you ready?
1: Let's go. I'm all ready.
0: All right, Mike. Real quick, what's the best financial advice you ever heard?
1: Oh, uh, so uh, this comes from when I was right out of school. I was working in management consulting, and I got—I was young, cocky, and stupid. Tried to start my own business, and a gentleman told me, looked me in the eyes, said, "Mike, at this point going forward, cash is now more important than your mother."
0: Oh what worse Yeah. huh.
1: <laughs> is there more to that? I'm, I'm sure. Go, go ahead. Actually. But, uh, <laughs> oh, really man. what it meant was, you know, you never want to put yourself at risk of being forced to liquidate an asset or or Got any it. kind of situation where cash flow becomes an issue. So as you know as willing as you are to take on a risk, always remember the cash flow is the life and blood of any business or for that matter any uh, investment portfolio.
0: So true. Worst financial advice you ever received.
1: Oh, that's easy. That comes from business school. When I was getting my MBA, my professors kept trying to tell me the volatility is somehow a measure of investment risk.
0: Hmm, interesting. Fill in the blank: money can buy uh,
1: more money. Yeah, you can buy more money. It allows you to invest in things like private equity, alternative investments, cash flow producing assets, uh, things of that nature.
0: I like it. Money can't buy.
1: Time—that's mm. the one thing you can't buy. You can't. You can always make money back. Look, if you buy a stock and it goes to zero, life goes on. Can't get your time back, though.
0: So true. Now, Mike, if you won a million dollars after tax, what would you do with it?
1: Well, that's easy. Uh, ironically, I just found out yesterday that my wife and I are going to have a baby girl. Ah, so, congrats. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, what I would be doing with that now is going out and uh, building a, uh, a very safe and tax efficient uh, education fund for her. So all her educational bills are paid for the next 20 years and then some. And uh, if there's anything left over, maybe pay for the wedding.
0: We'll see. <laughs> Sounds good, Dad. All right. Great fun. Thanks so much for joining us, Mike. Thank you. This has been Watching Your Wealth, the production of The Wall Street Journal. I'm Veronica Dagger. For more information, check us out at wsj.com podcasts podcast. Thanks for listening. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.
1: This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore.